Hey, this is Matt McClure here, one of the lead pastors here at TakeOver Church. Thank you so much for checking out this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. And just a reminder, we have got services every single Sunday at 5 p.m. And we would love to have a chance to meet you, to hear your story, and to welcome you home. Thanks again for listening today. Hope this message blesses you. And so I just felt like we were going into a new season here in November, and we're calling it Empire. Does that sound good? Yeah. Fantastic. We're probably looking at yourselves going, self? What is an empire? And then you break fourth wall and you look back at yourself. I have no idea. I've seen Emperor's New Groove. I'm sure he's going to tie it in. Probably in his intro. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. So, <sighs> come at me, bro. It's fine. Does anybody even say that anymore? It's 2018. Anyways, so yes, we are in a series called uh, Empires. Somebody say Empires. Empires. There we go. I got to get back on track. Sorry, I was having too much fun with the the mirror, mirror on my hand. Who's the man? Matt. Um, Just things I used to tell myself growing up to get ready to do this. I'm just kind of bare in my soul and you're laughing at me. Um, But we're in a series called Empires right now and I couldn't be more excited about this series. Now, again, you're probably wondering, Matt, what is an empire? An actual definition of an empire is, is, a, is a dynasty. It's usually led by an emperor or an empress. and It's where they would go in and they would get a people group, where they would get a collective, where they would get a, a bunch of countries, a bunch of states, whatever. They would get them together and forcefully rule over them. Have you ever heard of an empire before? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Empire Strikes Back? Okay, yeah. just checking. So I got like five people who were like, yeah, I was awake in world history. And then I got like 50 people that were like, yeah, Empire Strikes Back. I get it. Empire Strikes Back, Dark Side, you get it. Forcefully rule, no. Okay, enough of the movie references, I'm off that. The Last Jedi is terrible. Anyways, done, sorry. Um, I gotta get back on track, good Lord. Jesus, please help me, save me, come. All right, um, but yeah, we're in a series called Empires right now. And I really, I was, I was looking around our world and does anybody else just go online, you go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, you go on NBC.com or CNN or Fox News or whoever your news outlet is, you, you go on these websites and does anybody ever just get overwhelmingly depressed? Yeah. Is it hard? You go to McDonald's and all you want is a McCafe and you want a hash brown or six and you see their TV in there and it's just another mass shooting or a, another bunch of bombs being sent out to a bunch of political leaders or whatever it's been the last couple weeks. Not to make this entirely super heavy, but man, you can look around this world and there's a million reasons to be depressed, isn't there? I look around this country today and we talked about it a lot and outside these walls about the discord and about the bigotry and the racism that still very much exists within this country and a bunch of other things that we looked at. You should go check out those three messages once again. I promise you, you can find them on all the podcast apps. I really believe if you did not hear them, they will change your life. But it's easy. You look around this country and you see division and you see churches warring against each other. You see shade being thrown from the left and to the right. You see a country divided. You see people, the only thing that actually matters on this earth, you see people that are caught up in the casualty of division. Am I, has anybody seen this? Am I the only one that has my eyes open? I don't have a TV. Praise God. <laughs> I look around the city and we talked about it. There are some streets in the city that you can drive down where one side is houses, mansions, and Bentleys. 
And then you get to a certain four-way in the road and all of a sudden it's extreme poverty. I look at the lives of people in church and we love prayer requests. Believe me, church, we want to stand alongside you here at Takeover Church. Nobody does life alone. Nobody fights alone. Nobody struggles alone and nobody celebrates alone. Amen. That's the kind of church this is. And if you're new with us tonight, I want to tell you, it's a little heavy right now. We're going to get to some levity in a moment, but I want to tell you that church is for a build up, not a beat down. You already belong here. I don't care how you came in tonight. You are family. But I can look around the faces and the people in this church that trust us with prayer requests and man, not only is depression at an all-time high in our country and in our world and our society today, depression's at an all-time high in the church. Anxiety is at an all-time high in the church. And we're a church that understands that. And we're a church that's here for you. And we're a church that you don't have to go through that or struggle alone in silence. Can I just tell you that tonight, that that's our heart? That we are a church that understands that mental illness is a very real thing? The church has been quiet about it for a very long time, but this is a church that's going to be allowed about it because I really do believe that Jesus Christ has a solution for it. Am I preaching to anybody yet tonight? Yeah. And so the reason we're in a series called Empires is because of whether it's myself, whether it's Adrienne, whether it's people in church, whether it's people in this city. You know, we went to plant this church and people were like, why do you want to plant another church in Grand Rapids? There's a church on every single corner. And I was like, does every single person here know who Jesus Christ is and are they walking in liberation and freedom that he went to the cross for? And they're like, no. And I was like, then we have another church. Because the devil... The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. When he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you ever heard the phrase, don't let the devil get a foothold? Yeah. When I was down south, <laughs> I used to hear that all the time. It was really funny. They're like, they got that real southern accent. They're like, don't let the devil get a foothold in your life, Matt. And I was like, I don't know what you said at all. But it, but it settled in me. And I understood that because, do you know what a foothold is? It's when a door is being shut and you put your foot in it to stop it from being closed. You see, Jesus came to give us life and life to the full, but the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is going to thieve his way in. He is going to lie his way in. He is going to get his foot in that door one way or the other. No matter how hard we try closing it, all of these things on our own, how hard we try closing it, he is able to get a foothold in our lives. And one of the things I realized as a Christian who didn't understand the power that came along with Jesus Christ. Did you know tonight that you are not a powerless church, that you are an equipped church, that you are not a powerless Christian, you are an equipped Christian, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead after beating the devil in hell is now resides on the inside of you? Did you know that? Because yeah. if you didn't, that's available to you. But a foothold becomes an empire well, we don't recognize that we have a foothold. That door isn't just a little crack anymore with his little red foot in it. Because the devil's red, right? Sorry, we're, 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 we're talking some kind of heavy stuff, right? I'm trying to be levity. It's no longer just a crack in a door 
with a little bit of breeze that comes in. Because once he has his foot in there, well, sin is notorious for keeping you longer than you ever wanted to stay, making you pay more than you ever wanted to pay, giving more than you ever wanted to give. It will steal, it will kill, and it will destroy. His goal is in no way, shape, or form to remain just having a foot in the door of your life. No, 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 no. He wants to build an empire in your life. He wants to be the emperor or the empress. He wants to rule and reign in your life because if he can keep you from the truth, if he can keep you from what God has for you, he will rule and reign in your life and he will render you absolutely useless to bring freedom and liberation to those outside these walls. Does this make sense to anybody tonight? So we're in a series called Empires. Because I look around in my life and I look around at this church and I look around at this great city that we're in, and this great country that we're in, this great state that we're in, this great hemisphere that we're in. And I, don't, I no longer see just some little footholds in people's lives. I see some empires in people's lives. I see anything in this country but Jesus Christ ruling and reigning over our lives. Even as Christians, there are things in our lives that are ruling and reigning and have forcefully by force taken its place of Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And some of us don't even know it. What would the litmus test of that be? Y'all remember what a litmus test was? Y'all been in high school? Bless you, child. There you go. <laughs> Bless you, child. The litmus test in life was you go to PE class and be like, okay, Matt, how many pull-ups can you do? None. I already know that. Okay, we'll give it a shot. Zero. I proved that. <laughs> you know? They would want to see where you were at. They want to see how fit you already were, how in shape you already were, how much you could actually already get out of you. You come to PE class because the gym teacher will know then. Maynard is incredibly, my, my last name used to be Maynard, sorry, I took my wife's last name. Yep, see? It's a story, I'll tell you later, it's a good one. Anyways, she's amazing, her dad threatened me, love you Scott. Um, <laughs> just kidding, love you Scott, please don't hurt me. Um, but they'd be like, Maynard, what are you doing? And I'm like, I think I'm trying, I think. And then I would get on the ropes and I'd try and climb that and... Sure as can be. No hope in sight. Litmus test of whether you have an empire in your life, if the devil has a foothold in your life, if temptation has any place to rule and reign in your life where holiness and joy should exceed and excel in your life. The litmus test is this. When you're going through it, when life is incredibly difficult, when you're having those mental illness struggles and those battles, when you're struggling with who you are on the inside, when the world is telling you this and it's telling you this, get this, go here, do that, be successful. If you look like this, if you eat like this, if you're from here, if you talk like this, you're a failure. When life happens, because it happens to us all, we're a church that very much understands life happens, but more than life happens, Jesus still happened. And so in the litmus test of life to see where you're at with things, if you have an empire that doesn't need to be there, if you have some strongholds that need to be pulled down, if you have a foothold in your life that has started as a little thing, but has begun to grow into a very big thing, the litmus test in life is to see that when the world comes at you, when life happens, to you, 
when you experience things that you did not ask for, that you would never pray for, that you wouldn't even wish upon your worst enemy. Where do you run? Where do you go? Where do you find solace? Where do you put your hope? Do you even go to hope or do you just go for numbing agents? Do you even want a hope out of the situation or do you just succumb to it, buckle your legs to it, and give in to it? What are the things in your life that you call a remedy? Man, this is really hard. My boss is breathing down my neck. I didn't, you know what? After a long day, I just need a drink. After a long week, I just need four. You know what? It's been a season, Matt. It's been a season. You don't even understand. You're up there talking about empires, bro. I'm going through it. My wife left me. My boss is breathing down my neck. I didn't get the promotion that I was supposed to get. I am 15 years into this job. Life is having its way with me. Matt, you don't get it. You know what? I know you know what the Bible says, and I know that you're a pastor, and I know that you're all these things, but you know what? Sometimes it's been a season. It's been four months, five months, six months. And I don't think that relationship that I'm in or that thing that I'm partaking in is really that bad because you know what? It makes me feel better after my season while I'm in my season. If I'm in the season, where's my God? Where's my deliverance, Matt? I'm coming to church. I'm still serving. I'm still tithing. Where is my deliverance, Matt? I've heard these things. This is the litmus test. In life, life will have a way of squeezing the juice out of the inside of you, won't it? Because friends, when you're squeezed, when you're pressed, when you're crushed, what is on the inside of you will always, most certainly, come out of you. Amen? And so I look around this room, and I look around our church, and I know there's people that aren't here, and I look around the city, and I look at the church, the local church, the, the global church. I look at what Christians are doing, what we're saying, how we're moving, how we're activating. Remember we talked about last week, loving moves? I'm looking at these things. And it's real easy to make loving moves when life is good. God is shining his face upon me. I got more money in my bank account than I did last week. Holla. It's really easy to be generous. It's really easy to go out of my way and love somebody. It's really easy to be Jesus to somebody. But when life gets hard, suddenly it's no longer Jesus that I'm trying to be. It's, it's alone with me in a bottle. It's alone with me and my thoughts. It's alone with me in my house in seclusion and isolation in my wilderness. Church, I want to ask tonight, as we kick off this series, and we're going to expound upon more on it. Do you have the smallest foothold in your life? Or has the devil made an empire in your house, in your life? Y'all mind if we read the Bible tonight? It's going to be up on the screen. Who got their Bible? Six of us. I love it. No, I'm just kidding. I always choose the number six. I have no idea why. Tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is this. Y'all ready? Write this down. The title of my message is Empire State of Mind. Oh, come on. I love it. Thank you. Shout me out, brother. Empire State of Mind. Would you turn and ask your neighbor and ask them, do you have an empire state of mind? Let's hear it for New York. No? Somebody's got to pray for this pastor. Tell you what. And we're coming out of Luke tonight. If you got your Bibles tonight, Luke 6, 46 through 49. It's going to be up on the big Bible. That again, that is Luke 6, 46 through 49. Y'all ready? 
<laughs> yeah. All right, verse 46 up there. There it is. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? It's funny, cast out right there for a second. Whenever I heard this uh, being preached when I was a young guy and, and all these things, when I'd hear that, people would always be like, why do you say Lord, Lord? It's not like that, okay? You got to get the understanding. You got to read the whole text. You got to kind of see where Jesus was at in this whole situation. I'll explain a bit more of that in a second. But he is like talking to crowds. He just got done with the Beatitudes. He is explaining the kingdom of God to people. He is explaining the fruitfulness of God to people. And this is kind of part of it. And so he isn't saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Nobody's going, nobody's going to Jesus going, Lord, Lord. It's not that. He's saying, why do you call me Lord? Lord. Like, why do you call me Lord, comma, Lord. He is, he is putting emphasis on the word Lord tonight in this piece of scripture because Lord is not a word that should be used lightly. Lord is not a word that should be taken lightly. Lord should not just be slapped on anything and everything. No, no, no. Because the very definition of Lord literally means there isn't a single thing in that kingdom that he lords over that he doesn't lord over. There isn't something that happens that he doesn't sign off on. There isn't something that doesn't happen that he doesn't sign off on. There isn't a trade that's made that he doesn't agree with. There aren't people that are allowed in that he doesn't say yes. There aren't people that are thrown out that he doesn't say yes. The very definition of Lord is literally, I have complete dominion over everything. And so I think it needs to be understood tonight, the language that Jesus is using when he says, Lord... Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And what does he say after that? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Does that language make a lot more sense now? If I'm Lord, if I'm King, if I'm the Messiah, if I'm the one who is and is to come, if I'm the one that was prophesied about, if I'm God made man in flesh sense for the sins and the mistakes and the struggle of all people, why do you call me Lord? And not do what I say. What's that next verse? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Talking about the Father. Um, no, talking about you who hears my words and does what he says. Okay. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Basically saying what you are like if you hear my words and do them. He says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and that against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation, and when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruins of that house was great. Y'all mind if we pray before we go any further? Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight, God, and the moments that we have still together, God. I know the service is winding down, the clock is going, and we have things to do with the rest of our lives, God. But in this, in this moment, in this space, God, be Lord over my words. Be Lord over my heart. Keep my heart and my words pure tonight for the betterment of people, Jesus. God, be Lord over our ears to receive it. God, we ask tonight, Jesus, that you would come in these words and in this text, God, and show us, Lord, the empires that have taken up real estate in our lives, God, the things that have been built in our lives, God, to distract us and take us away from you, God, tonight, God. As we begin this journey, 
in this series called Empires, Jesus, would you firmly establish your place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in all of our lives in a faithful church set? Amen. Amen. So I love this piece of scripture. Don't worry, I know that I kind of started my message a little bit more different than I usually would. We hit the thing, I make a lame joke, boom, I tell my message. It usually has something to do with a rap lyric. It's great, pray for me. And then we hit the scripture and then we go. But I kind of wanted to take some time to expound upon uh, what an empire was and what I felt that looked like in our lives. So it's all together. Don't worry, we're not going to be here for the next 45 minutes because you feel like I'm just getting started. I love this piece of scripture because here Jesus again, he's putting the church, he's putting the soon to become Christians, the people who just started following him, they're like, man, this guy is healing people, this guy set people free, yo, I saw Doug, you remember Doug who had his mat, Doug didn't ever move, Doug didn't ever go nowhere, Doug and his little mat, I saw Doug walking the other day, and he was like, and I was like, Doug, would you start walking, who gave you new legs, bro, and they were like, this guy, Jesus, he's amazing, he's the Messiah, I swear, you gotta go meet Jesus. No? And so Jesus, he has this notoriety about him, this fame about him. People have gotten a taste of Jesus, right? Taste and see the Lord as good as our Bible says. They have heard about him. They have seen him. And so Jesus, he just has a multitude of people around him explaining to them what the kingdom of God is like, what it means to be a Jesus follower, what it means to be a Christian. And I think it's relevant in our lives in 2018 that this piece of scripture made it through the whole entire process of becoming the, in the Bible because I find it crazy and it blows my mind that obviously probably more than 2,000 years ago as far as like people who came before Jesus when he was walking the earth but up until 2,000 years ago people were still just as messed up, jacked up, had the wrong priorities and were letting things in their lives and rule and reign in their lives besides God. And so he told them the same thing that I feel like he's telling the church, every single Christian, every single Jesus follower here tonight, he is telling them and he is telling you. The good news about Jesus has remained. People were still excited to hear him. I hope people are more excited today in this church to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here tonight that's excited to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ? And so here he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, Josh, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Kristen, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Mythological Christian who's not even here, but is probably in like Westboro, Indiana somewhere, if that's even a real place. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? So the church in 2018, he's saying to you and to me, and he's saying, Matt, why do you call me Lord, Lord and, and not do what I tell you? Because if you do what I tell you, this is kind of what it looks like. Here's a, here's a picture, Matt. Your life, spoiler alert, I got a message coming up in this series called You Build What You Love, okay? Matt, in your life, you build what you love, right? We talked about it a couple weeks ago, right? The, uh, the verse in Matthew that says where his treasure is, there his heart will also be. Whatever your treasure, whatever your heart is, whatever you love, you will build. In this life, you were made to build. You were made to construct. You were made to dream and then to create it. But why do you call me Lord, Lord and not build what I tell you to build? Because if you were to build what I told you to build, if you were to live like I told you to live, if you were to exist and thrive in this world, and if you were to overcome the way I told you to overcome, why are you not building the way that I told you to build? What did he say here? He said, 
Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and when a stream broke against the house, it could not shake it because it was well built. What does he mean? He means in this life, you're building your career. You're building your family. You're building your house. You're building your name. You're building your brand, whatever it is. You're building your Instagram follower. You want to be an influencer. When you're building the way that I've called you to build, what the Bible says to build, how you are to live and speak and how you are to exist and to go out, living within what God says is best for your life, when you build within those constructs, within what I said, within my boundaries, boundaries with God are a blessing with God. Hello. When you live and you do and you operate in this way, man, you're going to be like a well-established house. You can build it big. You can build it small. You can build it in the middle of nowhere. You can build it in a big city. You can build it wherever it is that I've called you to build it. But when you build it, when you construct this thing in your life, if you do it the way I tell you to do it, you're going to dig deep. You're going to hit good rock. You're not going to build on sand. You're not going to build on, on uh, a side of a mountain, on the side of a hill. You're not going to build where, where you need poles to uphold it. You're not going to do any of that stuff. You're going to build on a solid foundation. But then there's the second part. I think the part where Jesus gets really, really real with us. And when I think about empires, and I think about the way that we're living, and what an empire looks like in our life, what empire state of mind, so to speak, looks like in our life, I think an empire state of mind is when we get a little too attached to that foothold, when we get a little bit too much liking about that foothold, where we decide that we can't go any further without that foothold, where we can't have another bad day or a manic episode in our lives without that foothold, without going back to it. And soon enough, the more times that we go back to that foothold, to that drink, to that girl, to that guy, to that club, to that whatever, whatever it is that just gets us by, the more times we go back to it, it no longer becomes a foothold. That door becomes wide open. The hinges are blown off. And suddenly, we're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, but we have an emperor from hell. And what does that look like in our lives? It looks like this. But the one who hears my words and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruins of that house was great. There's another verse, uh, I think when it takes place in the Gospel of Matthews, it's also reset and, and the way that it's put in that piece of scripture it says, it doesn't say um, that a house was built on the ground without foundation. No, no, no. It says you'll be like a house built on sand. I don't know about you, I can't even walk on sand, let alone build a house. Does anybody else struggle for real? I feel like I was at the gym for four hours and five minutes at the beach of walking. My calves hurts. My hamstrings hurt. My hips hurt. Part of it's my age. I'm getting up there. Adrian, it's like you're ridiculous, man. But I love in that translation where it says, you will be like a man who was unwise and who built his house, built his life, built his legacy, built his church, built his family on sand. Because how many know if you've ever been to a beach, if you've ever built a sand castle, if you've ever constructed anything on a beach, really? I mean, a tide can come in. You dig far enough down in sand, you go on a strike water. 
the winds will come. Somebody's going to toss a beach ball. Life is just going to happen. Somebody's going to intervene in your life in not a great way. And a beach ball is going to come. And your sandcastle is blown. It's destroyed. That's what Jesus is saying it's like when we allow empires in our lives, when we allow footholds in our lives to grow. You see, here's the thing. I think churches get a bad rap because we say some bad things. Sin sucks. Okay? Sin sucks. Can I tell you something tonight, though? You are not responsible for being born a sinner, but you are responsible for continuing to be a sinner. Well, what does that mean? Sinner has such a dirty word to it, right? Dirty, it's like, oh man, people who call me that, it's because they would throw hate at me and shame at me and guilt at me and condemnation at me. Like, sinner sounds so bad. It is. Sin means death. Sin means to miss the mark. I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, the whole word sin was from archers. And it was, a, it was called a sin when you would not hit the bullseye. It just means you missed the mark. Doesn't mean that you're worthless. Doesn't mean that you don't have any value. Doesn't mean that you are a terrible human being. It doesn't mean any of those things. No, 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 no. Sin, the reason you missed the mark is the very reason that Jesus Christ came and went to the cross. It's so that you didn't have to miss the mark no more. That the marks didn't have to be held against you no more. That you didn't have to play archery anymore if you didn't want to. You just had to be with him. But part of being with him is doing it his way part of having a successful relationship with Jesus instead of a successful relationship with your own selfish needs, wants, and desires and your own coping mechanisms is doing it his way. Jesus is saying to you and to me the same thing he's saying to them. Don't call me Lord if you're not really going to let me be Lord. But the good news about that is this. If you do make me Lord, you make me Lord of your marriage, you make me Lord of your sex life, you make me Lord of your relationships. You make me Lord of your finances, of your job. You make me Lord of your lips. May the confession of my mouth be pleasing to him in heavenly places. If you make me Lord over every area of your life, submit it to me. Man, together, Lexi, you and me, we're going to build a pretty cool house. We're going to not only build a cool house that's going to look stellar and that you're going to have all your friends over with and you're going to throw so many Holy Spirit ragers in. You know what happens when life comes your way and you get some bad news from your family? The house ain't going nowhere. Your foundation ain't going nowhere. When you do it my way and you make me Lord of all, friends, we say it here all the time, if he ain't Lord of all, he ain't Lord at all. Because again, the very definition means total and absolute submission to him. And so my question for us tonight is what are some footholds in our lives? Because here's the, here's the thing, friends. Sin was a problem. Jesus came. Sin can still be a problem, but it doesn't have to remain a problem because Jesus came. 
the same things that you've been going back to, the same girl that you've been going back to, the same night that you've been going back to, the same things in your lives that have caused the depression and the anxiety, the same mindsets that you've gone back to, the same clubs that you've gone back to, whatever it is that when life gets hard and difficult, the same places you've gone running to for solace and hope and remedy of your situation. They don't have to remain. The urge doesn't actually have to remain. It just takes submitting those moments to him and how he says to handle them. Friends, temptation is not sin. Temptation is an opportunity. Temptation is an opportunity to either worship yourself and what you want and what you need and what you think is going to get you through it, to turn to an empire, to turn to a building and a construct that promises you that it's going to heal you and fulfill you and sustain you, but every time you go to it, you feel worthless and shame and guilt and condemnation. So door number one, you got that behind it and your empire. Or you can choose in that moment of temptation, which again is not sin. You can choose that temptation moment. Door number two. Where here you're being used, here you are being loved. Empire, where you're a slave to sin. Or kingdom of God, where you are a son and you are a daughter of the Most High God. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? I know this is a little bit more serious than usual. I get that. I, I, I see the response. I hope this means that we're just taking it in and we're, and we're really listening tonight because I promise you, friends, we're going into November. We're going into holiday season. There's a reason I'm dialing in on mental illness right now, okay? We are going into what is called in our country the loneliest time of the year. We had somebody hit us up the other day, and, and Adrian was talking to me about it, and we were spending some time praying and talking about it, and, and it was talking about how they were entering into the season of the year, and they're in such a different place than they were last year, and, and, and it's just, you know, there's families, and some people don't have families, and then and there's holidays, and some people don't have the way to celebrate holidays, and sometimes people see them find themselves alone, and yada, 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 and there's just this incredible weight that comes with this season that we are actually entering into where holidays and festivities and all these things are going on. We're usually breaking bread and breaking turkey and breaking ham and, and breaking everything else in the house too because we're with our families. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing all these things and usually it's together and you're found with family and friends and people that love you and there's a very realistic part in this place where there's a lot of people who don't have that opportunity to be found with friends and family and people that love them. And on the flip side of that, I'm wise enough to know that there are people that do have friends and family and loved ones available to them and yet because of mental illness still find themselves very alone and very isolated and very hurt. But friends, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way. This scripture that I'm talking about, you can build this house of your mind. You can do it. This isn't one of these things. This isn't one of these things, okay? This isn't one of those one-stop shops like do this one time and your mind is good, you know? We're, we, we're not dumb enough to believe that, okay? Because what Jesus is saying here is that this is all about submission. Now this is all about taking things captive when they come up and red flags show up. 
This is all about sitting here and going, man, today I'm home alone. And I feel like no one loves me, no one cares about me. I'm in a house full of people that adore me, and yet for some reason I can't get my mind around this loneliness and this darkness that seems to consume every waking moment. And it's in those moments that Jesus is saying, call me Lord over that moment. I'm not going to shame you for that moment. I'm not going to shame you for how you feel, how lonely you feel. No, 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 no. I am going to run towards you, but I need you to submit that to me. I need you to take that depression and that anxiety and that fear and that worry and those things that you feel on the inside that are so uncontrollable inside of you, the things that are ripping apart the fibers of your soul. I can't do anything if you don't hand them to me. It's not wrong to have those moments, but it's not helpful if we don't hand them over. He is saying we can dig deep. We can together. You can't do it alone. You've been doing it alone. You've been doing it without a Lord. You have never submitted this thing to anything other than a person, anything other than a moment of euphoria, anything more than a moment of drugs, anything more than a moment of alcoholism, anything more than finding your, your completion, your absolution in another human being. You've never submitted it to a Lord who can actually do something about it, who can actually complete you, who can actually help you dig deep. Because we can find ourselves in that bottle when we're depressed. And we can find ourselves with that person behind closed doors. We can find ourselves in these places and in these spaces with, with faces that we have no business and no right giving these things over to. And we will have a moment where it feels good. And then we have a lot more moments afterwards where it doesn't. Because guess what came back? Depression, anxiety, fear, Worry, doubt, insecurities. They came rushing back. I had an hour of reprieve. I had a moment of reprieve. Jesus is saying a moment of reprieve is when you build your house on sand and the waves of life come and it looks like it's all together on the outside but your foundation, you can have one day, you can have two days, you can have five minutes, you can have an hour, you can have some duration of time of where it looks like you have it all together and you have it all and you're living the dream. But when your foundation is sand and not the cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus, life will happen and you will falter and your house will come to ruins and your life and your mind and these places inside of you will be right back to where you were, if not potentially even far worse off. But he's saying, submit to me. Worship team, you can begin to make your way back up here. Here at church, we, we finish every service with another song. One, because I kind of just have this conviction that good music unites. I said it the other day, and I kind of made the joke, but I love that when I'm in the middle of the service, the music's so good, I don't know if I'm in a club or in a church. It's great. It's so good. But another reason we do it 
And it's because we have an opportunity once we've heard the word, once we've heard the truth, once we've heard that God's heart is actually for you. It has never been against you. He has always wanted to have you and he has been chasing you your entire life and he planned you before your life. And so we're about to sing a song called Broken Vessels. Which I find Holy Spirit irony in it. As we talked about brokenness tonight. Sometimes there are quick fixes in our faith to the things that are broken on the inside of us. Sometimes there are. Sometimes we come and we get prayed over and things fall back into place and legs grow and arms come back together and people are freed and liberated on the spot. And then there are other times on our faith journey where we find ourselves asking like, why is this more complicated? You're the God of the universe. Can't you? Won't you? When will you? Because we see the quick fixes here, we see the quick fixes there, we see God really show up and show off in this situation and then there's my moments where I keep coming up for prayer, where I keep getting, where I keep asking you to stand alongside me and to fight with me and to not leave me alone in my struggle. And there's not a quick fix. Friends, I can't tell you why there are some quick fixes, supposedly, and why there are some slower ones in our lives. But what I can tell you is that you will never experience freedom, liberation, healing, or deliverance. Quick, fast, slow, easy, painful, hard, however your journey is, you will never experience that freedom and liberation that He promises you if we don't submit to Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. You know, it's, it's kind of funny as we go into the song that as Christians, we really want a Savior, don't we? We have songs about a beautiful Savior. What a beautiful Savior. We have these songs, right? I can't sing. Save my life. It's fine. We have these songs. The sweetness of our Savior. All these things. These old hymns. We have these top 100 billboards, Christian songs about our Savior. Christians, we really want a Savior. Do you know one thing that we don't usually want all the time? We don't always want a Lord. Because we would much rather get saved from our bad decisions than submit our decisions to Him from the get-go. It's the human inclination to say, God, where are you when I need me bailed out? And he's saying, I'm right here when you want to start making decisions my way. I don't want to just be your savior. I don't want to be the last ditch resort. I don't want to be just the guy you call in when you've stepped in it and you're up to your neck in it and life isn't going well for you because of your decisions. He is saying, I want to be Lord before you ever do it, before you ever succumb to it, before temptation is ever there, before the devil ever has a chance to get a foothold, before there's ever an empire that you need me to set you free from. I want to be Lord. I will save you every single time you call me.
I will comfort you every single time you call me. I will comfort you every time you need comfort. I will be the peace every time you feel like your world is an absolute free fall chaos. I'm him. I'm the Prince of Peace. But I'm also Lord of Lord, and I will save you so much time and so much pain and so many tears and so much struggle and so much loneliness. I'm not saying every time we'll be like this, but I'm saying that in the slow and in the hard and in the difficult and in the unfathomable and in the unimaginable, I will be Lord of it, over it, and with you in it. This is our God. Would you stand up? We're about ready to go into this, and I want to encourage you tonight. There's a reason we say Lord and Savior. He will always save you, but man, young person, old person, wherever you are tonight, new to Jesus, first time hearing about him, wherever you are, you've been to church for 50 years, wherever you are, this is a call to you tonight to make him Lord of every decision, of every action and inaction, every possibility and impossibility, everything that you've planned for and all the things that you didn't plan for, to make him Lord before you ever in need of saving. Because friends, he is saying to you and to me tonight that when we make him Lord, we can stand. We can dig deep. We can live both with our heels dug in and on the balls of our feet, ready to run after life. Life doesn't have to happen to us. We are supposed to happen to life. But that starts tonight by making him Lord and Savior of our lives. If I get every head bowed and every eye closed in this place.